0: Welcome to New City Church's podcast. We're a small non-denominational church in Nashville, Tennessee, practicing the way of Jesus together. For more information on who we are, what we do, and some resources for your faith, you can check out newcitynash.com. But we hope you enjoy this message and that it blesses you. Anytime someone asks about what a Christian is supposed to do, people often say, we're supposed to love. Love God, love people. Sometimes we'll throw in make disciples. But what does it mean? to love God and love people, because it seems like people use that word very differently. In this message, we're gonna talk about what it means to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. So to start off today's message, I wanna read from Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, it probably goes without saying that there is no way that I'm going to be able to explain fully what it means to love God with all that you are and how that has ramifications in every aspect of your life. Nor am I going to be able to fully explain what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, I would say the way that we love God and love our neighbors has been a source of quite a bit of debate and contention amongst Christians and non-Christians. What does it mean to love God? Well, if you really love God, you should act like this. Uh, a lot of us, when it comes to loving God, though, I think we, we deem it as something that is primarily religious. What I mean by that is that we love God by things that by doing things that we deem religious, like worship, prayer, reading our Bibles, going to church, being a part of a small group. But in fact, the early church was characterized by their love, not just by their so-called religious or spiritual practices, but by the way that they loved God, by the way that they loved other people, by the way they took care of orphans and widows, by the way that they were multi-ethnic, by all of these different things, that they loved God by the way that they lived. Glenn Pacquiam, in his book, The Resilient Pastor, wrote that the church, the early church, was markedly different in the way they lived. As a result, many early Roman writers thought of Christianity not simply as a religion, which in the ancient world was more about rituals than about ethics, but as a philosophy It was a teaching about a way of life. In fact, early Christians were referred to as followers of the way, that their faith steeped into everything that they did, not just what they did on Sundays. And so what this message about today, pretty simply, is to love God with all that we are, not just what you deem religious. Love God with all that you are, not just what you deem religious. Because loving God is something we do with our whole lives. Something we do with our Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. It's what we do when we go to work, when we rest, when we play, when we interact with family, when we're in the car, when we're frustrated. It's about what we think about. It's about what we do with our feelings. It's about literally, you name it, every aspect of our lives. But a lot of us have this idea of loving God being primarily something that is concerned with what happens to me when I die, uh, which certainly it, it is relevant to that, but more so when God invites us or calls us to love him with all that we are, it's something that is supposed to infect every aspect of our life. And to look at that, we're gonna look at a passage in Deuteronomy chapter six, starting in verse, verse four and looking through verse nine. This is where Jesus gets what he's saying here about loving the Lord. With all that we are. And in ancient Jewish practice, this and some other uh, verses became known as what was called the Shema, which means to listen or hear. And for thousands of years, Jewish people would have prayed these words at morning and evening as a way of expressing devotion to God. And so as we read this, uh, I know that hearing the phrase, love God, and hearing the phrase love people can sound really trite because it sounds trite to me. But recognize that no matter how hard you try this side of eternity, you will never be able to fully love God with all you are. It'll be an ongoing journey of you becoming more and more and more like Jesus. So let's read from Deuteronomy chapter six, starting in verse four and reading through verse nine. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, and all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So this passage indicates that it's something that we are to do with all of our lives. When we wake up, when we go to sleep, we're supposed to instruct our children. We're supposed to uh, write it on our doors, posts, and on our gates so that anytime we go anywhere, we remember, love God with all that we are. So this passage opens up with the word shema, which, as I said earlier, means listen or hear. But in ancient Hebrew, listen wasn't just about letting something come in your ears and processing it, or even just understanding it. It certainly pertained to understanding it, but it was also involving action. That Listening and obeying were like two sides of the same coin. So when it says, listen, it's pay attention, focus, obey. Shema. Shema Yisrael. And then the next phrase, you'll see it on the screen right here in Hebrew. And in Hebrew, you read it from right to left, and it says, Adonai Elohenu, Adonai Echad. Yahweh, our God. Yahweh, one. Now, you notice when I was reading it, I said Adonai instead of Yahweh. So traditionally, uh, in Hebrew, when you get to the word Yahweh, you read it as Adonai, which is the Hebrew word for Lord. So in your English translations, when you see the word Lord in capital letters, that's a reference to God's particular name, Yahweh. He is. He will be. Interestingly, in this phrase, Adonai Elohim, there is no need for the word is, Uh, In Hebrew. Now, if you notice in your English translations, there's different ways that people have translated it. Uh, The Lord is our God, the Lord is one, or the Lord our God, the Lord is one, or a couple of them. And there's not really a huge difference in it, but perhaps slightly different emphases. But what I think is important here is to understand that the call for Israel is not to love any God, any God that they deem worthy of their honor or devotion, (laughs) anything else. Their call is to love Yahweh. Which one? Yahweh the one true God. He's the only one who they're supposed to worship. And whose God is it? He's our God. And so for us, what does that mean? It means I think we are called to love God, not just the idea of God. We're called to love God, not just the idea of God. What does that mean? It means that a lot of us, like to fashion God in our own image. We think God is like this, and so we come to love the idea of God rather than loving the God who is in here. We say that God is this or this or this or this, but really God is surprisingly, it seems in that mindset, like us. He thinks like I do. He probably won't like I do, but if we read the scriptures, God is other. He is holy, he is beautiful, he is majestic. He does things that are different than the way that I would do them. Why? Because he's God and I am not. The Lord alone is our God. And we are called to love God, not just the idea of God. And if I can put it even further, we're called to love God, not just what God might offer us. We're not called to love God just to earn our way into heaven. We're called to love God because He is worthy of love and adoration, and He has loved us immensely. So we love out of an overflow of His love for us, not to earn God's favor. Uh, We don't love God just so that we can get the blessings from God. Just being with God, being in His presence, having a relationship with Him is so incredible that the call for us, I think, is to love God, even if that means we don't get the blessing. And, and hear me, I do believe God wants to bless us. But uh, sometimes we think if we love God enough, God will bless us in a certain particular way that we want to be blessed. But the truth is that's not always how it works. We're called to love God, not just what God might offer us, because if we're loving him for what he might offer us, we're really treating him as a genie in a bottle, and our God is not God, our God is us, because it's really about what I get, not about him and who he is and what he deserves, which is all glory, all honor, all praise, all worship forever and ever, amen. We're called to love God, not just the idea of God or even what God has to offer us. And so then we get to this phrase, love. What does love mean? That's a word we throw out a lot, I love my wife, I love my kid, I love ice cream, I love rock climbing, but what does it mean to love? Here it's referring to the affection or care for another person, to have a care, an affection towards God. God's love originates from who he is. It's not something that is a duty for him, it's just who he is, God is loving. So he loves out of an overflow of who he is. In the scriptures, it's both a feeling and in action. God's love propels him towards acting on the behalf of those whom he loves. Furthermore, uh, for us, our call to love God is not something we do to earn God's love. It's a response to his love for us. We love because he first loved us, and we respond to God's love by loving God and loving God others, that the way that we treat our neighbor, the way that we treat other people, the way that we listen, the way that we take care of the poor, the orphan, the widow, the oppressed, the way that we do all those things matters and pertains to how we love God with all that we are. So how do we love the Lord our God with all that we are? What do we learn from this Deuteronomy passage? It says, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart. So in ancient Hebrew, this probably makes sense, but they had a different Connotation for what the heart was in some extent. Uh, For us, in our modern context, we know that the heart pumps blood. Uh, We know and we look at the heart as something uh, concerning feelings. In ancient Hebrew, they didn't have a concept for a brain. And so the heart was kind of both heart and brain. It was the seat of thoughts and emotion. It was really the center of all parts of human existence thoughts, emotions, the generator of physical life, and also where choices come from out of the desires of one's heart. All intellectual activity. In the scriptures, or is considered to have taken place in the heart. For example, to know something in your heart, to understand something in your heart, to discern something, to have wisdom. Things like pain and fear are something that we experience in the heart. The phrase, a broken heart, even comes from ancient biblical Hebrew, as one Bible project video pointed out. To be happy in the scriptures is to be good of heart or to have a heart of joy. The heart is incredibly significant because it is the center of all parts of human existence. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, for example, it says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. The heart is incredibly significant. And we learn elsewhere that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So loving the Lord with all of our heart means that we love him with the center of all of us, our thoughts, our emotions, the words that come out of our mouth, the choices that we make, seemingly minuscule choices that we are to love God with all that we are. If you've ever been in a situation where you, something comes out of you, maybe you got cut off in traffic or someone wronged you or you just didn't sleep well and you respond hastily with anger, with bitterness in a way that wasn't warranted that speaks to something going on with our hearts. The call to love God with all of our hearts is about reorienting our heart's affections to love Him and desire Him more than we want anything else. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse nine says that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. That our hearts are incredibly important and the natural dispensation of our heart is not totally towards God towards other things. And so loving the Lord with all of our heart is incredibly important because when we love the Lord with all of our heart and we seek to do that, it means that we want all of us to be formed, to be more like Jesus in absolutely everything that we do. Uh, The next phrase that it says is to love the Lord your God with all of your soul. Now, uh, one Bible Project video pointed out that this is an unfortunate word uh, not because soul is a bad translation it's not it's that we have bad connotations with the word soul and by bad I just mean that they're more associated with Greek philosophy than they are with scriptural teaching that our concept of the soul is is akin to if you know that old kind of bluegrass hymn type song I'll fly away oh glory I'll fly away oh glory I'll fly away sorry that I thought off too low but When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. That our concept of the soul for a lot of us is something like that, that we are uh, souls with bodies, that uh, the soul is this immaterial part of us that will evaporate from our bodies when we die and transcend into heaven to be forever with God. Certainly the scriptures do pertain to what happens after we die, but biblically speaking, it's more accurate to say that you are a soul than you have a soul. It's more accurate to say you are a soul than you have a soul. The word in the scriptures for soul in the Old Testament is a word nefesh. It occurs over 700 times in the Old Testament. Uh, Literally, it can sometimes mean something like throat, which sounds weird, but what do we use to get water that we need to live? We use our throats. There's a psalm, I believe it's Psalm 42, that says, as a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. My soul thirsts for God, the living God right? It's pulling on this metaphor of throat, that as a deer desperately needs water to survive, my entire being needs the Lord God to survive. So soul refers to a whole being. Uh, And if you look at words for murderer, sometimes it will be something like a nefesh slayer or a kidnapper, a nefesh thief. Interestingly, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, both humans and animals are called living nefesh on the in the beginning of the Bible. A corpse is a dead nefesh. So once again, you are a nefesh, you are a soul, uh, you don't just have one. And so what is this saying? That with all of your living, breathing being, all of you, love the Lord your God. Not just with what you deem religious, aka what happens to you when you die, or what seems to be a religious issue. Love the Lord with your whole being. Right, with your all your heart and all your soul. So why is that relevant, right? If you're loving the Lord with your physical existence, it means what you do with the money you've been given matters. It means that what you do with your body matters. It means that how we steward our sexuality matters. It means that how we take care of the orphans and widows and the poor and the oppressed and marginalized matters. It matters what we do with these bodies that we have been given. Why? Because we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and then lastly, all of our strength. And this word, strength, comes from a word, me'ob. It happens some 300 times in the Bible, but uh, it doesn't necessarily mean like physical strength, you know, like uh, love the Lord with all that you can bench press. Uh, maybe you can bench press a lot, but most times in the Bible, it's translated as an adverb, very or much, to love the Lord with all of your Muchness, which if that doesn't make sense, track with me for just a second. On the sixth day of creation, after God had made humans, he said that it was very good. Meod, good. It intensifies the meaning of other words. It's not just strength as in muscle power, you could think of it as muchness as in every possibility. Every capacity, every opportunity you have, it can refer to almost anything. It's what For a better treatment on this, you can check out a Bible project video on me'od or strength. They dive really deep into this. So you may be wondering, where do we get this word strength in our translations? Well, most likely it comes from Greek. So when the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament, uh, which most of which was written in Hebrew, was translated into Greek, they translated me'od as dunamis which means power or strength. But interestingly, in the translation to Aramaic, they translated it wealth, like love the Lord your God with all your wealth, all the things that you might have, your strength and your wealth. And then Jesus, when he refers to this, he says to love the Lord your God with all of your mind, or sometimes power. The idea is love the Lord with all of your muchness, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your muchness, with everything that you are, all that you might be, every opportunity, every capacity, every limitation. Love the Lord your God with all that you are. We are called to love God with all we are, not just what we deem religious. We are called to love Him in all that we do. And then we go on in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where it says, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today, or that they will be on your hearts. In other words, that they are at the forefront of your thoughts and your emotions, that in everything that you do, you are considering God, right? When was the last time you thought about that when something came up, with when you were online or posting or about to post or when you got cut off in traffic? Is the Lord who is on your mind? See at the forefront, see at the seat of all of that, Then it says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I love this thing about teaching your kids to love God and to follow after Him. For me, the most important thing that I care about for my son is that he will grow up to love Jesus. If he learns to ride a bike, that's great, I plan to teach him. If he's good at an instrument, that's great. But what I want for him is I want him to desperately love Jesus and love others. That's what I want for him. I want him to be passionately in love with Jesus. And so my hope and my desire is to instruct him in that way to teach him about the goodness of God, to teach him how to study the scriptures for himself, to give him space to doubt, to wrestle, to ask questions, to develop a personal relationship with the triune God, because I believe he's worthy of all worship and he is good and faithful and kind. And so I I want to repeat these things back to my son. And, And what does that mean for me? It means that I repeat them to myself. It goes on in here to say, talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, and it goes through these like seemingly opposite things. When you're here or when you're there, when you wake up or when you go to sleep. Does that mean you only think about them or repeat them or love God when you wake up and when you go to sleep? No. I think it's getting at in from when you wake up to when you go to sleep. All of it. Love God. When you're here, when you're there, when you're on your way, all of it. Love God. And then there's this instruction about tying it to your hands and wearing them on your forehead as reminders. Uh, there's a Jewish practice uh, that involves like a, a, a prayer box that uh, Orthodox Jews and some others will wrap around them. It's called the Tefillin. And the Tefillin uh, contains various uh, verses pointing to, when I look down at my wrist, I remember the command to love God with all that I am. When I Here, when I go and I walk through the doorposts in my house or on my, like, look at my gate, I see it. I'm reminded. I keep it at the forefront of my mind, both in physical ways and other ways. So what does that look like for you? What does it look like to love the Lord, your God, with all that you are? Uh, Maybe for you, you realize that you've been loving the Lord with what you deem religious that you love the Lord just by going to church and hear me That's important, I believe it is. You love the Lord by reading your Bible and that is a way that you express your devotion and your love to Him. But I believe you also love the Lord by the way that you take care of the poor, the orphans, the widows, by the way that you listen to people. I believe you love the Lord by the way that you interact with someone when most people would be impatient. I believe you love the Lord by the way that you tip Uh, at a restaurant, you love the Lord with the way that you interact with a spouse or roommate or a friend by where you extend grace when it doesn't seem like grace should be extended, where you extend forgiveness where it doesn't seem like it should be extended, where you stand up against injustice when it seems like the easier thing would be to not. We love the Lord our God with all that we are. And so the challenge for this week, honestly, is just to consider in everything that you do, Just try to bring that to mind. Is this loving God, what I'm doing? Is this loving God? Maybe you haven't even thought about it. Our call is to love the Lord, our God, with all that we are, not just what we deem religious. Thanks for tuning in to New City Church's podcast. We hope today's message blessed you. For more information on who we are, what we do, how you can get involved in some resources for your faith, check out newcitynash.com. But until then, may God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance towards you and give you peace. Amen.